1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard. And joining us now, courtesy of the Murdoch Auto Group, who presents the weekly conversations with David Locke. David's kind enough to join us. How are you, sir? Hey, David. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, doing really well. Doing uh, doing well. Jazz, uh, I know the, uh, the the winning streak got snapped, but kind of a historic night for Denver uh, shooting the ball. You just don't see uh, you you just don't see teams do that very often. No, the only seventeen teams in NBA history had ever made fifteen threes in a half. No one had ever done it in fewer than twenty two attempts. Hmm. They did it in seventeen attempts. So they didn't like sort of sneak by the record. Like they could have missed another four straight and still had the most efficient three point shooting half of fifteen threes ever. So um, now they, you know, they were rolling. Uh, they got a rhythm. They, I, I went back and looked at them. You know, you're going to get open looks at some point. If you, you know, particularly if you have a Jokic, like if he bends the defense, so you're going to get some good looks. But it wasn't like they were crazy open. And frankly, if you put guys in an empty gym, they're probably not making fifteen to seventeen from three. Yeah, there were there were obvious um, points during that game that you felt like the Jazz weren't playing their best, their most clean game. Donovan Mitchell and some of his passing, the outlet passing was was uh, picked off a couple of times, but just the overall watching the Jazz, how much better could they have played in in that game against Denver? Yeah, I'm sure they could have played a little better. The offense was was actually pretty good that night. Um, you know, I thought they. I actually thought there was a moment in the third quarter where they looked beaten down a little bit. And I thought they kind of let go of the rope, and then they did the exact opposite. So, in that sense, I thought it was pretty good. I thought there was a chance in that during that game that they could suddenly lose by, you know, thirty-five or forty, and um, and they did the exact opposite. They fought back, got I think down to nine, and then Denver hit a few more shots, and you just run out of time and energy. And you know, you're not going to win. You know, you're not going to win uh, twenty in a row. Like you're not going to win eleven in a row probably again this year. So. Um, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm, I didn't leave that game too worried about the Jazz. I, you know, I do think Jokic is probably the most unguardable player in the league right now. Um, and, um, so I think that's a, you know, I think that's probably what really is the story there. And if you have a concern, the concern is that, you know, we just cannot stop Denver. If you go back and look at last year, um, we didn't have a very good game against Denver defensively. And then if you look at this year, I think we've had our, out of our 20 games, our defensive rating in the two games we've played them are 17th and our 20th for the season. So, and, you know, that was the same case last year. We had a, if you look at our games against Denver, I think we played, you know, 980, 90 games last year and our ratings, about five or six of them were 70 for fifth, their worst of our performances. So, you know, we struggle against them. There's no question, Jokic is outstanding, and they're a great offensive team. It also seems like they're using Jokic in a lot of different ways, too, uh, in finding mismatches and and how he exploits uh, different guys out there at the court. I, I think that coaching staff has done a tremendous job in, in how they use him and how they attack with him in different ways. He uh, The thing is, you know, he's playing better than he's ever played. He's a little slimmer. Um, he's skinny Jokic. Um, and, you know, his the thing is, like, his – he's so great right now because his primary weapon is his passing. Yeah. And while his passing was good the other night, it wasn't that big a deal. And so then he beats you every other way. Like, I, I just don't know how you guard him. Like you, you can't guard him one-on-one. Um, he'll, and, and like what he did to Rudy the other night, which he'd really not done before was at 18 feet out, he put the ball on the deck and then drove at Rudy and he made two really tough shots. I actually probably be fine with him trying to make those shots over a seven game series. I, 
he makes them, you just have to tip your hat. I don't know that they would go in. They were really, really tough shots. Um, but he, you know, he his passing is usually his biggest strength and what makes everyone else go. And that wasn't as on display as everything else. And then the other one that just jumped out to me was Favors was guarding him. And he just shot the three over Derek like it didn't even matter. Like that little, like if you're not like 7-3 trying to guard him with that kind of length and at seven feet, he can just put that three up at his forehead and shoot it over you and you got no chance. And now the fact that he puts the ball in the deck for a few possessions against Rudy and takes him all the way to the rim, like I don't know what you do. Like he, and, you know, if he, if he gets into the paint with that footwork, you're dead too. So, you know, tip your hat that he's the, you know, I think he's the MVP of the season at this point. And I don't think it's as clear as that right now because they lost some games early in the year, but I think they've won six or seven. I suspect they're about to really roll. I, I would suspect they win about 11 of their next 15 and, and, you know, probably 30 of their next 40. So I think his MVP candidacy will be much more clear by that. David, obviously the all-star voting is going on through social media. On Twitter, you see it going crazy. Uh, will the Jazz see a couple of names this year? I would expect the Donovan and Rudy, you know, return. It's it's hard to not get put back on, you know. If you make the all-star team, your team's got one of the best records in the league, you usually go back. Um, I would be awfully surprised if anybody else from our roster goes. I know Mike's been really, really good, and it'd be sweet that he um, gets it. And there might be... You know, if it gets close, like I haven't done the 15-man roster or whatever it is to try to figure it out, but there could be a groundswell for Mike to let him make sure he has an all-star before his career is over um, from the coaches in the league. Everyone has such unbelievable respect for Mike Conley and who he is as a person and a member of the community that I could see – you know, you're deciding between Mike Conley and someone, and you're like, you know what? I'm giving it to Mike Conley. Um, let's let's put him in an all-star game because everyone knows he hasn't been to one, right? That's not a narrative that is lost on anybody in this process. I haven't done the math. I haven't looked. It's 12, not 15 also, by the way. I misspoke. Um, but, and, you know, Russell Westbrook's not in the West anymore. You'd have to walk me through who last year's all-stars were, Um and if any, Westbrook, I believe, was an all-star and has left the Western Conference, but I can't think of anybody else who has. Hmm. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Uh, kind of a cool moment the other night seeing Joe Ingles. Let me finish that up. Uh, I don't think Steph was an all-star last year, right? Uh, no. No. Nope. He was not. So if he, if he, if, I'll go through it. it yeah, was, that's a problem. It was James Harden, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, your first five in the Western Conference. Yeah, one, one new one there. And then you got Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Brandon Ingram, Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, Devin Booker. So you got two. You got you got two spots, right? Yeah. They're new, and then Steph Curry takes one. So you have one spot. Otherwise, every single one of those guys is returning. I would suspect. You would. Uh, you would certainly imagine. Mm-hmm. Cool moment. Paul, the other... George, Paul George. Paul George gets that spot. By the way. So oh there goes yeah. That. Yeah. Nope. Yep. You're right. That's a good point. Well. There's your all-star team. There's your all-star team right there. It's pretty simple. Uh, cool moment the other night when John Stockton, uh, or with uh, Joe Ingles surpassing John Stockton on the all-time three-point uh, shots in Jazz history, just. You know, just a few moments to for a Joe Ingles appreciation moment from you and watching him develop and who he is as 
you know, a guy that was good to keep around for locker room camaraderie and then all of a sudden became a good player and then became a really good player for the Utah Jazz. Uh, what have you seen in his development over his years and what, how much has he meant to the Quinn Snyder era here as a Jazz head coach? He's all right. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, have you listened to that morning show? I mean, he can't do that morning show without taking a shot at me at some point. And now you want me to do mutual appreciation party? Sure, because as a um, professional, I know you can put different. Yes, I, I'll do it because I actually have appreciation for him. But uh, I thought the fact that he tied and broke the record on an off-the-bounce three on a pick-and-roll was really apropos. So if you go through Joe's career, he first gets here right. The, the real reason everyone thinks we sign him is because Dante Exum's on the roster and he's going to be Don, and Dante Exum. Uh, first ever autograph was Joe Ingles. And that was Joe Ingles' claim to fame when he got to our organization and that he was going to basically, you know, be Dante Exum's bad guy. Truth was that Quinn Snyder had seen him play in Europe and wanted him. Um, so, but he wouldn't shoot, right? Didn't want to make a mistake. Too, too fearful to ever make a mistake and do anything. Then when he does shoot, he's only... If you go back, he's taking like four threes a game and no nothing off the bounce. And then he works really, really hard. Some was Dak Guthrie and then other coaches, Lamar Skeeter and um, Vince Lagarza most recently, and they've all really worked incredibly hard. And Joe adds an off-the-bounce three. But, like, the first part of that off-the-bounce three was kind of like a sidestep off-the-bounce three. And the reason he couldn't hit an off-the-bounce three at that point in his career was because his release took so long that he – it it just couldn't get off, right? It, it took, you know, the, you could time his sun, his release as on a sundial. And so now all of a sudden he worked on that quick release catching suit. This was the next step that he got in such good physical condition and that he got his body balanced enough so that then he could come off and his footwork good enough that he could come off the bounce for a three. Then he added this off the bounce three, which is really interesting. If you go back and look at those two plays, what he kind of does is he comes off the pick knowing that either Rudy's going to get the guy or they're going under, and he long dribbles out in front of him and then gets his footwork set up so that he can catch off the long dribble into a three. And these are just all the little tricks of the trade that he's learned and now become a very, very good pick-and-roll player. You know, And so it's all part of his evolution, so I did think it was appropriate that his two threes that tied and broke the record were on off-the-bounce threes. And, you know, generally, he's, he's okay. Does Donovan Mitchell, as Joe put it, does Donovan Mitchell eventually end up with that record? Like tomorrow or like next week? No, he, Joe, Joe said Donovan eventually. I know. Um, I, I, was, I haven't done the math. But, like, since Donovan, I believe, is at the high, fastest pace of threes per game played for anyone in the NBA in their first whatever amount of games of their career, if I have that right, wasn't he the fastest to, like, Whatever number he just hit, I think so. Yeah, uh, I remember that. So I story. mean, Donovan's on the fastest pace of anyone in the league now. Steph anti ups that pace here, coming pretty quickly into a different realm, and Donovan's nowhere close to that. Steph's at like three point six makes a game. I think Donovan's at two point five. So it's not as though Donovan's going to go run after, you know, Steph Curry. He might run after Reggie Miller and Ray Allen before it's over at the rate he's going. I think he's at a higher rate than those two guys were, that are the two all-time leaders until Steph passed Reggie the other day. Um, so yeah, Donovan gets Joe just, you know, I, I think in the term of this contract. When, uh, looking at, uh, I know we've talked a little bit about Brooklyn and, uh, I was reading some, reading up on them a little bit earlier this morning 
historically great offensive team so far since putting that band together, but also historically bad defensively. Uh, is that something that uh, – is this kind of an anomaly, or do you think that's inherently a really bad defensive team? Well, I think it's in – they don't have a center. They're, they're playing Jeff Green at center. We tried that. We saw how it worked. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the issue that matters is their differential. And there is a rising feeling in the league that, you know, having a great regular season defense is important to win games, but there's a feeling that, you know, that defense that's ranked 13th, 14th, 18th gets in the playoffs and can pick it up a great deal. Um, I don't know what I think of that. Uh, and I, I, I don't know what I think of that with Brooklyn. Uh, but I do think that that's probably the greatest offense that the league has ever put together. Um, you know, the, comp, the, the best offense ever is last year's Dallas, but that had to do with the style they were playing. They, they broke the league a little bit. The Jazz are doing the same thing right now. Um, but in regards to offensive skill set, they are the first team that I can think of that has three players that can run a pick and roll, three of the top five isolation players in the league and probably three of the top, at least two of the top eight or 10 pure. No, wait, Joe Harris on the team. Three of the top 10 pure shooters in the league. And then James Harden, who's a really good shooter too. Right? So those three guys, like if you think about Steph and Durant and clay, that was the most dominating three player offensive that we've ever seen. And they complement each other fairly well. The reason why these three guys have been criticized for not complementing each other well is because they all do everything. So that's not really a problem in my book. Like, I think it's really laughable that everyone's like, well, KD and James and Kyrie all want the ball in their hands. Well, right, because they all can play pick and roll. And they all, you know, they all need shot, right, because they're all brilliant shooters. Like, it'll be fine. It's simply unstoppable if you watch it. They just haven't cho- chosen to defend yet. And when they do, I think they'll be just good enough defensively because their offense is that great. They'll be in the yep. finals against the Clippers. Ooh. Calling Ooh. it now. Look at that. You just, all year. you just kind of, uh, okay. You still believe it or are you just sticking by a prediction? Um, the Clippers have done nothing to make me believe that they're not the best team in the West. Um you know, Paul George playoff Paul, playoff P is nervous. Well, makes me a little nervous on that predict, projection. Um, the Lakers defense is great. Our three point shooting is a math problem for those guys. If they don't shoot a lot of threes, it's a bigger math problem for the Lakers than it is for the Clippers. Whether we can get all those threes against those teams' length, I'm not sure. Um, Jokic's MVP play makes it a little tough on those guys, so it won't be an easy walk. Um, but I would generally feel pretty good about it. I'm a little surprised how that Luke Kennard is kind of popping in and out of their rotation is the only thing I thought. But the addition of Batum, the fact that they can put up a five-man roster lineup that can play efficiently and have everybody be six, eight, or taller when on the floor at the same time, I, I just think the Clippers are a beast. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Uh, we still need to chat, David. Uh, so let's do that again here soon offline, shall we? All right. Do, do you have a drive to Vegas where I can take an hour of your time? That was awesome, by the way. <laughs> quickest, quickest hour of that drive, too. I appreciate your help. Keep me awake. Did on you listen drive. to any of the podcasts I told you to listen to? I did. 
and they are great. I mean, I might know something about that stuff. <laughs> you're oh, not man. laughing right now. I'm very much laughing. laughing. If you're right not now. laughing right now, that arrogant comment wasn't worth it. Oh no, it's great because I. You can only put a cap on it for so long. It's sooner or later, something's gonna something's gonna <laughs> right. get out. Right. <laughs> As you, know, you the should. Best part of, the best part of that conversation, if it, if it was on tape, the different meaning of all the things that we talked about in that conversation three days later. Yes, that's a good point. David, yeah. you're the best man. Appreciate See it, you guys. David Lock. See you, David. Right here on 97.5, 1280, the Zone and the Zone Sports Network.